Welcome to this week's episode of Eye of the Swarm, Season 4, Episode 8 of your deep dive into anything and everything Yellow Jacket Athletics with production guru Adam DeMuth and the big sound Matt Johnson. I am John Garver, and we are in the the, the thick, the heat of crossover season, if you will, as uh, winter sports have begun, fall sports are hitting the postseason, and it kind of... it. It hit me a little bit this morning when I came in and, and looked at my desk and realized that there's potential for nine games over the next four days. It's going to be absolute chaos in the, wor- <laughs> in the world of Yellow Jacket Athletics and uh, throw into the mix that my broadcast season will kick off on Friday. So it's, uh, it's time. It, it's, the, it's the busiest time of the year. It's interesting for me because, um, you know, as far as like our broadcast schedule, you know, you basically you, you carry the freight in the in the winter. I carry the freight in the fall and the spring. Right, and um, <clears throat> it's always interesting for me because um, to see how you're feeling about your broadcast schedule. Because uh, usually you and I are trying to set up my broadcast schedule for the fall and in the spring alongside yours in the winter. So now you get to join in the fun now. Yeah, no, I get to I get to play radio a little bit now. Which right, I'm, yeah, exactly. I'm excited about, but it. I, I subconsciously it was it's weird because I I have a stupid as it sounds I I do we we do try to take care of our voices we do because we do. We, we do need them an awful lot and it makes me nervous this week because in addition to the the three hockey games I'm gonna do I have PA duties at right. other games yeah and so it, it it makes me a little bit nervous but without even thinking about it I was at the store this weekend and I picked up my my bottle of apple cider vinegar. <laughs> and started doing my my shots of vinegar, and it was just totally subconscious. It was just like, well, I you know I'm pretty close, so I guess I better get some. And then I just started taking it. It's an, old, it's an old broadcaster's trick, and I know it grosses people out when I sit there and take a few sips of this stuff prior to a game and everything. But it's an old broadcaster's trick that everybody, works for me. Everybody has their own way of doing it. I have uh, I'm a Halls slash Ricola guy. People always think I'm sick when I just pop one in, and they're like, what you know. Why are you doing that? You got to soothe the cords. Exactly. You know, because we're coming to the time of the year now where everything I do is a doubleheader. Yeah. So, you know, I get twice the wear and tear of, you know, other broadcasters might just do one game. Right. You know, so when you're doing that and you're doing it on multiple occasions, which is, you know, usually my Fridays and Saturdays are doubleheaders. I'm doing four games in two days. Yep. That's a lot. It is. It's a lot. It is. And, uh, you know, I'm very conscious of where I'm at. I try to. Drink a fair amount of tea. I, I always have a pack of halls with me. Because um, sometimes you do. You just, at least I do, you, you get that kind of just minor frog in your throat. Sometimes it's a major one, but most of the time it's just minor. Right. Right in the middle of while you're trying to call a game, and it's it throws you a little bit. And it's hard to get rid of sometimes, too. Yeah. It you just know, until you there. can actually get to right. a break and give yourself a big throat-clearing moment because you don't want to do that on right. the air. Yeah, exactly. I didn't so. have... This year during the fall, I didn't have too many doubleheaders. There were a few, um, and there always are, you know. Mm-hmm. But baseball and softball is another one. Those yep. are all doubleheaders. So yep. starting in about a week or two, just about everything I broadcast from here on out is going to be a doubleheader. Yep. And so you have to know that because that's, you know, for basketball, that's five hours, just about. Yep. About five hours. And for baseball and softball, you know, for softball, it's about five. Mm-hmm. For baseball, it can be as much as seven or eight. Right. So you have to, you know, you have to be conscious of it. You do. I mean, it's something that you have to do. Um, and it's something that, you know, I I don't know how many young broadcasters learn that the hard way, but for people who are seasoned like you and I, 
you know, everybody has their own way of doing it. You know, yep. you have your, you know, apple cider vinegar. <laughs> I have my Ricola in halls. But I, I got the the apple cider vinegar trick. I uh, I was talking with Peter Marr, who is a mentor of mine, who did over I think three thousand games in the National Hockey League um, with the Calgary Flames and Toronto Maple Leafs. And I had, I had emailed him one time and just said, Peter, I've I got a sore throat, and it, it's it's a clinger. It's hanging on. It's one of these that I just cannot get rid of. And I went to the dock, and, you know, it's not strep or anything like that, so it's just ride it out. And what what's your, what's your best advice? And right, yeah. he, <clears throat> the two things he sent back to me were only drink water during a game. <laughs> Well, that's not going to happen. Okay. Be, you know, I was like, oh, I, 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 I know you. That would not happen. I have my water and I have my coffee. And so, okay. And you said the second thing is take a couple small sips of apple cider vinegar mm. and do it before the game, you know, about 20 minutes before you go on the air, and then do it again between the second and third periods. And not to get too far into the grossness of it, basically – the vinegar helps stop the production of mucus, which ah, then okay. creates that frog we just talked about in your right, throat. Yeah, yeah. And so if you stop that production, you'll, you'll avoid the, fr- the frog and your throat will feel better. Right. And I, I was, there was a part of me going, come on, Pete. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Getting very technical of, about of this. Of all things. Yeah. And, it, you know, so I went out and bought a bottle and took a couple sips. And sure enough, that, that night I did not have the the frog in my throat that oh, I was wow. expecting to have. It was still sore, right. but it didn't, it didn't have that graveliness to it. Right. You yeah, know? Yeah. And ever since then, I've, I've been a apple cider vinegar disciple on broadcast days. It's and interesting. I find myself doing it now almost every single day, just a couple sips in the morning. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's made a world of difference in my voice. One of the things for me is um, I have a complication because I have allergies, respiratory allergies. So when that happens, it's another... You know, not just are you using your voice a lot. Right. Um, I'm naturally pretty froggy in the morning anyway, just because I do have allergies. Um, and I, I tell people I almost have a constant frog in my throat. I don't know if people can notice it or not. I notice it. Mm-hmm. But that's just sort of, you know. It's life with allergies. Yeah, exactly. So, and that regards a little bit more for me in terms of trying to manage it. If I get a cold, it's horrible. Yep. Then I'm, you know, and, and I have broadcasts with colds plenty of times. Oh, you'll know when I have one. Yeah. I mean, if for saying, I think people can tell when I have one as yep. well. Um, I had a, a long, a long lasting one during the spring and in the summer. And I think people were sort of able to hear it in my voice a bit uh, for pregame and during the games and stuff like that. And in that case, it really is. You're just kind of holding on by the seat of your, of your, of your, of your pants. You're, mm-hmm. you're just trying to make sure that you get through the broadcast and be fine. Yep. You know, so there was a lot of coffee. There was a lot of tea during that time. Um, but, yeah, it, it, that's just sort of part of life as a broadcaster. And it, it, it it's across the board. I mean, you don't have to be a sports broadcaster to use those tricks. I mean, you can No, be, you – Yeah, it's you anybody be, that's on any airtime, really. Yeah, you could be a singer. I mean, they all have those kind they of tricks. They all have their own yeah, way of doing it. it. I, mean, so, I mean, imagine being a, a professional singer and being on, like, a concert tour. I couldn't and do that. And the voice maintenance you would have to do. Yeah. And you, and you've, you, a lot of guys, a lot of people, men and women, females and male singers, have really struggled with that. And you can tell because their voices really changed. Yeah. You know, there are, there are some guys whose voices are completely different now than they were, you know, when they started out. And it oh, depends absolutely. On, a lot of it depends on how you managed your voice when you were 
touring or you know whatever mm-hmm. you know um and i'll give you a prime example um you know talking about steven tyler of aerosmith whose voice has changed a lot yep you know i mean if um if you listen to aerosmith one of their first big songs was dream on yep he sounds completely different today than he did when he sang that song yeah and the only way you can tell it's him is the scream at the end yeah you know because a lot of people don't believe that's aerosmith like i i've stumped people with that question who sings dream on which is a great tune Fantastic song. Yeah. And but very few people would identify it as Aerosmith. Right. And but it is. Mm-hmm. And that's a one of those where, you know, they get into drugs and they get into alcohol and they get in all this other stuff and that doesn't help. Um but well, I mean, yeah. listen, listen to how Mick Jagger's voice changed yeah. from the early Rolling Stones stuff in the nineteen sixties, even when he got into the seventies and then the eighties. His right. voice completely changed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and it, some of that is just natural progression. Too, yeah, because voices do change, mm-hmm. you know, as as you go along. Um, not a lot, but a bit. No, it's it. But absolutely. for a singer, it really can change. It can. Yeah, and so it completely changes the way that you sound. You know, it's a real skill mm-hmm. to be able to, um, to keep your voice functional and be able right. to do a lot of different things. And it's one of the reasons. And I'm not going. This this will be my last point on this, but. As far as voice maintenance, one of the guys I, I really I'm impressed by, and I'm kind of giving a little bit more of information about myself away on this one is uh, Corey Taylor, who is the lead singer of Slipknot. Now he screams like crazy when he's with Slipknot, but I have heard him sing acoustic stuff with Stone Sour and some, and you would never guess it's the same guy. Right. But his voice is still there. <clears throat> yeah. Like you see him interviewed even today, and I think he's actually talked about voice maintenance. Because you have to be able to, to be in two different bands and sing completely different styles, right? Which is what Stone Sour and Slipknot are. Now Stone Sour is disbanded, but anyway, when he was doing both, he talked. Uh, he he's been pretty honest about you know you really have to ma- maintain your voice because at one point you have to be able to sing, you know, melodies and stuff like that, like he did with Stone Sour, but then he has to come back and be able to scream and also sing melodies with Slipknot because they also do both. Mm-hmm. So it's it there is there is definitely a trick to it. There's definitely, you know, systems that guys and, and singers and broadcasters put in place. And, you know, I guess I'm glad that you've been prepping yourself. Have to. <laughs> yeah. Have to, man. I got to. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm diving right into it this weekend with the number one team in the country. So yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll talk, we'll, about, that, we'll talk but... about that a little bit later on. But yeah. When's you know, the last time, by the way, that uh, UWS men's hockey has faced the number one ranked team this early in the year? Um, it's probably been a while. Huh? I mean, you can go back a couple of years when Point was number one in the country. Okay. You know, so we. It, it's not unfamiliar territory, right? You know, it's it's not as unfamiliar on the hockey side as it is in other sports, right? Yeah, yeah. Where you're playing, a, yeah. You know, hockey faces a, a fair number of nationally ranked teams, yeah. Usually throughout so. the year, uh, both the men and the women. I just so. can't remember the last time they opened the season as number one. I I'm trying to think of when the last. Oh, time I don't think they have. Okay, I don't okay. think they have. So, but um, at any rate. Yeah, it was. you know we are in the uh, the heat of crossover season, which means both winter and fall are competing. So let's talk a little bit about that, Matt. And uh, another good week for Yellow yeah. Jacket Sports. Yeah, teams. we're up to four <coughs> conference titles now. By the way, for the year, a couple of teams won uh, conference titles. Uh, a couple of men's teams, um, and not unexpected. I don't. No, think. no, I don't think so. Level. But still, you put them up on the uh, put them up on the board and uh, add them to the nice more hardware in the trophy case. <laughs> Hmm? I just noticed your socks. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> yeah, my my son picked out my socks this morning. They're uh, Batman. Yeah, I was I was just looking at that. Yep. So, well done, Teddy. <laughs> anyway, um, we'll lead off with men's soccer since they were one of the two. 
Men's soccer winning, by the way, their fifth straight regular season title in the UMAC. So congratulations to head coach Joe Mooney and company. Mm-hmm. Jackets now 14-3-2 overall after last week, and they finished up the regular season 11-1-2 in the UMAC. As I said, champions for the fifth straight year. Close out the regular season with a pair of victories, defeating Minnesota Morris in shutout fashion. 6 nothing on Friday before also shutting out Crown 2 nothing on Saturday. Both games are played right here in Superior. And with the win over Crown, like I said, it was the clincher for UWS winning that fifth straight Regular season title against the Cougars on Friday. UWS scored three goals in each half and got goals from six different players. Blake Perry, Mackie, Ringrose, Gavin Watkinson, Philip Erickson, Jake Kidd, and Ryan Tomshi. All scored for the Jackets in that contest. UWS 33-1, to the advantage in shots, including 14-1 to shots on goal. Patrick Sessions and Alex Paredes split time and goal with Sessions making one save in the game to post the shutout. And then in the clincher against the, pol- uh, the, Polers, the Polars, the, yep, the Yellow Jackets scored both goals. After halftime, Alex Hansen with his first of the year, and then Jake Kidd was his eighth of the season. UWS 28-2, the advantage in total shots, including 14-1. Again, the edge in shots on goal. Paredes made one save to pick up the win. Jake Kidd was named UMAC Offensive Player of the Week as well. So a couple of honors there. A couple of honors there, and uh, they're they're playing well at the right time. It's been I think their shutout streak right now is almost 375 minutes. I think the last. So they haven't given up a goal since St. Scholastica. Okay, <coughs> yeah, that was, I was going to say, yeah, it's probably in the St. Scholastica game. Yep. Anyway, uh, we'll continue with the soccer theme here. Women's soccer, 13-3-4 overall, 13-0-1 in the UMAC. As we talked about, they'd already won their second straight regular season title, but this is the second straight year they've also gone undefeated in conference play, so congratulations to head coach Alison Negrote and company. They close out the regular season with a pair of wins, defeating Minnesota Morris 3-1 on Friday before edging crown 3-2 on Saturday. Both games, again, played here in Superior. Against the Cougars, UWS scored all three of their goals in the opening half, and the Yellow Jackets actually used most of both those games to kind of you know, move some players around, play different lineups, and get some bench players some time, having clinched the number one seed already. And Coach Allison Negrote wanted to get some of the bench players more time. So right. that was kind of the theme of the weekend. Maya Holmquist, however, scored twice for UWS against the Cougars on Friday. Cameron Hill also scored for the Yellow Jackets, who held a 23-8 edge in shots, 12-5 the edge in shots on goal. Jenna Lang made four saves for UWS in that victory. And against the Polars, UWS scored two of their three goals in the opening half. Maya Holmquist, Nia Wilson, and Beth Schneider. Scored for the L Jackets in that contest, who outshot the Crown Polars 16 to five in overall shots, seven to four. The advantage in shots on goal. Quinn Clark uh, got the start in goal for UWS and made two saves, giving Jenna Lang a bit of a break there. Volleyball, they finished up the regular season 15. And but 12. Jenna Lang was UMAC defensive. She player was of the week. UMAC def- uh, uh, defensive player of the week, which was interesting considering she only played one game last week. But. Yep, and she was our guest on taking a lap this week. Oh, cool! I'll have to look out for that one then. It's out. Oh, is it? It's up. Cool. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna check. Those it out. drop every Wednesday morning for okay. those. Okay, okay. So just before this. Okay. Yes. There you go. So volleyball finished up the regular season 15 and 12 overall, 11 and three in the UMAC, number two seed in the UMAC tournament. For head coach Lynn Diedrich and company, they split their final two matches of the regular season down in Crown three nothing on Thursday at the Wild Athletic Complex in St. Bonifacius, Minnesota, before falling to Minnesota Morris three to nothing on Friday. That was played at Jim Grimmel's court. In Morris against the Polars, UWS won by scores of 25-11, 25-15, and 25-13. Offensively, UWS was led by Alexi Preed with 14 kills. Colleen Claude had 10 assists, while Jenna Anderson had 14 digs in that match. And against the Cougars, UWS fell by set scores of 25-13, 25-13, and 25-21. Offensively, UWS was paced by Cassie Teff. She had 11 kills. Claude finished with 14 assists, while Anderson had 16 digs for the Yellow Jackets. 
Men's and Women's Cross Country. Both teams participated in the UMAC Cross Country Championships, hosted by Crown in St. Bonifacius on Saturday, with the men claiming the conference title and the women placing third. So congratulations to head coach Glenn Drexler, his fifth overall UMAC Conference Crown in Men's Cross Country. In the men's race, interesting race for Remy 2D Yellow Jackets in Martin Luther in that one. John, they had to go to tiebreakers on the that deal. The slimmest of margins. Yes, indeed. The slimmest of margins. Comparisons between the top five runners for each of the schools in terms of their placing was the tiebreaker. Yes, and, the and that's, a, that's an NCAA tiebreaker, by the way. Okay. Yeah, we, uh, okay. it was funny before, I don't mean to interrupt, but we uh, was in the office on Saturday morning getting things ready for the soccer doubleheaders, and athletic director Nick Bursick comes in and says, do you know what the cross-country tiebreakers are? And I kind of did the confused dog look for a moment and said... <laughs> Tilted your head and said, no. No, I, I don't. don't. So go to the sport code. Oh, we use the NCAA tiebreaker. Go to the NCAA rule book and start reading through that. And it's like, huh, okay, comparing the finishes of the five. And mm. the Yellow Jackets ended up at a 3-2 advantage there, mm. thus getting the tiebreaker and, and the conference championship. Both teams finished with 50 points. The Yellow Jackets in the Knights. That's where the tiebreaker came in. But the Jackets claimed the conference crown by winning a tiebreaker, as John just mentioned, based on head-to-head results between three of the top five runners for each school. So Jackets had a 3-2 advantage and therefore were named conference champions. For UWS, it was their fifth overall conference title, as I mentioned, and their second straight. So a two-year run now for the Yellow Jackets. UWS was paced by Michael Butterfield, who placed second with a time of 27 minutes, 20.3 seconds. Aiden Doherty. Also had a top 10 finish for UWS, placing 10th with a time of 29-10.1. And on the women's side, UWS finished with 82 points as a team were, were paced by Megan Berg, who placed 10th individually with a time of 26-17.9. And there was all-conference mentions also in there, so we'll get to those. Butterfield was named first-team all-conference, while Doherty, Zach Reese, David Collins, Kieran Johnson, and Kay Akamoto Reach named second-team all-conference. Kevin Hufsiger was UWS's representative on the UMAC sportsmanship team, while Coach Glenn Drexler was named Coach of the Year for the fifth time in his career. So good job there by all associated with Yellow Jacket men's cross-country. On the women's side, Berg and Hallie Barker were each named second-team all-conference, while Gina Scanlon excuse me, was named UWS's representative on the conference sportsmanship squad. And so that was how last they, week's guest on taking. Yes, there you go. I saw I saw that one. So that one, there you go. Women's hockey opened up their season. Last but not least, they are now two and zero. Opened up the season with a non-conference sweep of Lawrence, defeating the Vikings five nothing on Friday before edging the Vikings three to two in overtime on Saturday to pick up the sweep. In non-conference action, both games are played at the Appleton Family Ice Center in Appleton on Friday. UWS got two goals from Lucy Drugas. And additional tallies from Jada LeBlanc, Ashton Parnell, and Andrea Stelling to pick up the win. UWS will have a 49-17 advantage in shots on goal. The Rose Beeman posting the shutout, 17 shots face, all 17 pucks kicked aside to get this uh, shutout there. And on Saturday, UWS got two goals from Jay, uh, Jenna Hoops, including the game winner just 46 seconds into overtime, Avery Schwark. Also scored for the Jackets in that game, who held a 35-24 advantage in shots on goal. Molly Black got the win in the Nets for the Yellow Jackets. She made 22 stops for Coach Dan Laughlin and company. So that's what went on last week. So another very successful week for Yellow Jacket Athletics. And hopefully more to come now that we're in the business end of things on the fall side and kicking things off on the winter side. So. Yeah, so the uh, the playoff action heating up this week for all the uh... – all the fall sports teams and uh, that are still in, are still competing actually so it's going to be uh, going to be a lot of fun yeah going to yeah, be a lot of absolutely. fun absolutely 
Speaking of winter sports, we'll take a break now. When we come back, we will talk a little bit of basketball with Yellow Jacket men's basketball coach Greg Polkowski. And uh, is he a junior? Is I think Joseph is technically a senior, but he's got a COVID. Okay, game. so junior slash senior or senior slash junior. Joseph Ferenholz, that's coming up when I Have the Swarm continues right after this. Are we sure we're ready for this expansion? Of course we're ready for it. It's a great idea. Let's celebrate with a vacation. I'm thinking <laughs> Hawaii. We're ready for you. Is it okay if my friend comes with? Of course. Imagination's always welcome here. Bring us your best ideas. Let's see how we can help. National Bank of Commerce. Imagination's welcome. We're back for the roundtable segment of this week's Eye of the Swarm. And last week we dove into women's basketball this a uh, little bit. And now this week we'll switch it over to the men's side as the uh, the men's basketball program got their season started, I guess, unofficially last evening in the, yeah, uh, the exhibition game against Minnesota Duluth. So we're joined by Joseph Ferenholtz and uh, Coach Greg Polkowski. And let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about last night, uh, a little bit of a, a lopsided affair, but some positives, especially in that second half for your team. Yeah, it was uh, good. Um, it was kind of more of a, of you know, public, uh, I guess, unofficial start to the season with it being an exhibition game. And I think, you know, we've had, I don't know if that was day 13 or 14 for us as far as practices, the exhibition last night. We had a private scrimmage last weekend. And um, knowing with the large amount of new guys that we have on our team, um, it's, it's very clear that uh, even knowing right from the get-go there was going to need to be just a lot of growth early on. And I, and I think we've seen that. I think we've seen that uh, in practice. Um, I think we, we definitely saw a lot of positives uh, in the private scrimmage we had. And then, you know, last night when more of a public affair against UMD, uh, I thought we saw a lot of positives. Uh, really thought we played a good, solid last 20 minutes. We did get down early. Um, against a good UMD team and, and some good players. And Drew Blair kind of got on top of us a little bit early. That, you know, makes that, that scoreboard look a certain way. Uh, but I just, you know, I, I'm not I'm not getting too worked up about it. I thought we had some positive. There's obviously things we need to keep improving on. But with a lot of newcomers, uh, you know, we're, we're still growing. And with we have 10 returners that have, I felt have contributed at a – at a solid high level in all their different roles. So I, I like where we're at uh, being uh, six days out from the home and regular season opener when it all uh, starts counting. So, yeah, um, now there was things to take from last night, but I think we're we're a little biased, Joseph and myself, in the fact that uh, we're probably looking at the last 13 days um, and the growth that we've seen and things that we need to still improve upon. That's probably where our mindset is at more than just the 40 minutes that, that, you know, I guess was on public display last night, which is fine too. Um, and there was lessons to be learned in, in that type of setting last night too, that can only be, um, brought about, um, you know, in an exhibition game like that. So that's, that's where I'm at. You know, I don't, Joseph can add anything that he'd like, but, uh, that's, I think that's where we're at, uh, two weeks into it. Anything yeah. to add, Joseph? Yeah, great opportunity last night to, you know, play a ranked national team. So 
that's it's pretty fun to go and do. Um, like Coach said, we played better in the second half we did in the first. Obviously, having Drew Blair go off for, you know, 17, five minutes or whatever he had is, you know, doesn't help us in any way. But, I mean, it was it was a good experience overall. And you've, you've seen that team fairly frequently, yeah, Matt. So I see them a lot. I'm, I'm in a unique position here to comment on it because yeah. I'm the voice for both teams. Um, <clears throat> that UMD team is probably – this is probably their best team that they've had in, since I've been broadcasting for them, honestly speaking. Um, I mean, they've got really, really good post play. Uh, they've got really good guards. Uh, Drew Blair's got really long range on his three. He's not a guy that will toe the line. I mean, he can go out to the NBA range and hit. He's a lefty. Um, and he's tall. He's about 6'4", six, 6'5", six, so he's a matchup problem for a D3 team. Uh, Austin Andrews is a really good post player, maybe one of the best <clears throat> in the country, at least in the upper Midwest for sure, at the Division II level. And, I mean, they're going to be a top-10 team this year at D2. I mean, they're going to be favored to win the NSIC overall. Um, you know, they, they've got, uh, you know, a nice squad. They don't have, you know, a lot of players on their roster, but every guy on that team can play. There isn't really a guy on that team that's a weakness. So, yeah, you know, for the Yellow Jackets to come out and play, I think, you know, and, and be somewhat competitive with them is a, is a good statement. Drew Blair going out for 17, he's going to do that a lot. Uh, you know, that's how he plays. He's a guy that once he gets in a rhythm, if he finds his rhythm in the first two or three minutes, he could put up 30 on you. I mean, he's one of those kind of players. Um, you know, and it's a good opportunity, I think, you know, for UWS. I didn't get a chance to see it last night. I, I wanted to, but I didn't get there in time. Um just to see where they're at in terms of, um, you know, being in a game situation. Um, they're not going to see anybody, this team, this UWS team, isn't going to see anybody as talented and deep as that UMD team all year. So, you know, it's, it's a good experience to get out there and, and go against uh, a team that's expected to do really well. Um, you know, everybody probably got in last night, played minutes. That's, you know, that's kind of the point of exhibition games. But, yeah, that's a sizable challenge. I mean, Greg will tell you and I will tell you that that UMD team is loaded there expected to do very well this year. I mean, they won 25 games last year, and they brought back just about everybody. Were they an NCAA tournament team last they year? Were. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. Both the men and the women, right? Yeah, they both were. Uh, the The men, I think, they got a little bit derailed. Austin Andrews had an injury in the NSIC tournament, which really hurt them going into the NCAA. So they were not at full strength. Austin Andrews was their leading scorer last year. And not having him was a big blow to the team going into the NCAA tournament. And as a result, they got bounced out pretty early. I think the, with Austin, they probably could have made a little bit of a run. Um, but they're young, too. I mean, they were, you know, a team that had a lot of juniors and sophomores on that team that were contributing a lot. And in some ways, you know, they're sort of a year or two ahead of where UWS, I think, can be. You know, in terms of had a lot of new pieces, a lot of good recruits that came in the last couple of years. And um they had a great start to last year. I think they won their first, you know, 16 games, 15, 16 games before they had a loss. So, um, yeah, that's, that's a hefty, hefty task that UWS faced last night. And it's a team that, quite frankly, I'm expecting to go pretty far when I broadcast for them this, this year. And, uh, you know, so I don't know, Joseph, Greg, I don't know if you want to speak more to that or not or in terms of what you saw overall. I mean, that, that's a really good opponent you guys played last night. There's no question about that. Yeah, I think um... – I think for what the game was, um, you know, there's been a relationship there. Um, speaking in the terms of basketball and the Twin Ports area, um, you know, there's been some exhibitions, you know, prior to my arrival here that took place with UMD. And um, on my arrival here, you know, we've played them and, and they've, you know, they've really built that 
program up to a high level and, and we're trying to do the same here. I think, again, not even as much to the specifics of last night. I just, I think it was a setting that, um, you know, we could go chase down another D3 scrimmage. Um, I don't think, you know, really for any Division One exhibition we could get our hands on. I don't, I don't necessarily think, you know, what we went up against last night is the same or more. I think it's just the, uh, the, the game that took place last night, I mean, it's a local game uh, for us to step into that situation. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of putting ourselves out there knowing that going in, and I thought our guys responded great. I mean, I thought um, we did get down early. We did get down early. We got we had a little slow start offensively, which that's going to end quickly for us, um, or it's going to end as of last night. Um, but I thought we had some guys really contribute. I thought Joseph had a great game last night. Uh, you know, he had 22 um, and I thought, and um, this isn't to put down anything he did or did not do. I, I thought, and he knows that he left some out there that just didn't go. And I thought he had a great game, uh, you know, playing, I think it was 27 minutes, you know, really was efficient. Uh, we had some other, you know, Joey Barker had a solid, you know, um, presence out there. You know, we had other guys contribute. Levy Miguel, you know, came off the bench and, and gave us a spark. And a, a lot of guys up and down the line. So I just thought there was a lot of positives out there. Um, you know, you never know, you never go into any situation, you know, looking to hand it over to anybody. You want to compete, you want to play to win. Um, but understanding, you know, we, we had that private scrimmage a week ago with, you know, probably an opponent that is more, uh, you know, a division three opponent. And we saw a lot of positives come out of that. So to stretch ourselves and put us ourselves out there against, you know, what, you know, would be considered an elite, uh, scholarship level school. I, I thought we did a nice job and that's not any moral victory, this, that, or the other. I just, we, we're putting things together right now and, and that's not going to go on for three months. You know, we've got a, another week to put things together, six days, and, and then it's go time and, and we're aware of that. So I thought we just took another st step in the right direction with that. And, and again, I thought it was just good for the area last night, both schools. That's my take on last night. You've mentioned the word growth now, I think, three times. So talk a little bit about some of the growth that you are referring to, not just from the, the freshmen or new players coming in, but also from returners like Joseph. Yeah, I love where our returners are at. I think, you know, we've had whatever it's been, 12, 13 practices. Um, I love where um, that understanding and – of you know our systems you know we we've been pretty consistent and we've added a few new things this year but you know the base of our systems if you will are are still pretty similar and I'm really proud of where our returners have been at as far as picking that up like they know it like the back of their hand and and that's great and that's what I mentioned earlier about getting those new guys on the same page and they will get there uh so I've been really happy with that and um so I would say that's growth in and of itself right there because that that necessarily hasn't been always the case. It's kind of always been starting over and, and rebuilding. So to see some of that continuity right away is a really good thing. And, you know, it's no secret to anybody, and I'm not trying to get too deep into the weeds with any of this, um, that, that we've had. We had a little bit of roster turnover. We have a lot of new guys. So for us to just come with a, um, you know, the mindset that we want to see, uh, the approach that we want to see from each individual, um, there's growth in that. And that doesn't mean that that doesn't sto show up on the stat sheet and the box score. I think we've seen growth there too. Um, and that's, you know, that's why we're just going day by day. So 
Uh, there's been growth, you know, you know, on the statistical side of it, you know, you talk about Joseph, what he did last night. Um, and that's just a snippet and he's not hung up on that and he's not putting that up in a frame on his wall or anything like that. I mean, we lost the game and he's next play type of guy and and moving on from it, short memory, good or bad. Uh, but that that's on floor growth. And I just, I just know where our demeanor is at right now in our mindset. Um, there's a stability there and there's a foundation and, and, We've we haven't necessarily always had that, so I'm I'm uh, I'm proud of our guys for that, and and I'm proud of our newcomers for wanting to grow, build upon that, and and be a part of that. There's not a you know everybody wants to do it the same way together, so it's just getting us all in the right lanes with that. But I there's a there's an eagerness, there's a curiosity, so that that's where the growth is occurring right there. How about from the player standpoint? Yeah, 100% everything with uh, what Coach said. Um, you know, we're taking advantage of every practice that we've had in the last two weeks. Um, people are picking each other up. Everybody's there for each other. Um, yeah, and then for us to hang our heads over a game like UMD is just doesn't make sense. I mean, it's over and done with. Like, they're a good UMD team. They're a good nationally ranked D2 team. It's a good learning opportunity for us. Um, like, we just said we're not really going to face a team like that this year besides that. So, yeah, I just think think of it as a learning opportunity. From your standpoint, too, Coach mentioned roster turnover, so there has been some turnover. How has how have you seen your role change with within the team as a result of that turnover, or hasn't it changed? Um, it's still too little too early to tell, but just as like a leader standpoint, just making my voice more uh, present and just, you know, talking maybe a little more in certain circumstances and just being more present for sure. Um, we'll see what has to come with games, obviously, but just being more of a leader and more of a voice on the team has definitely changed. It's a different makeup this year, obviously, for the team overall than where it's been in the past. Um, every year is something of a new journey, right? I mean, even if you bring back a bunch of guys, every year is a little bit different in terms of you know mindset or approach to, the, to, to how the season is going to go. You guys have kind of a whole new set of personalities now in this team. Um, in the past, you've had you know other guys that were looked at as leaders. Those guys have left the program or, <clears throat> excuse me, um, moved on to other things. You know, it's an interesting dynamic because there are so many new guys and a lot of new personalities in there. How has the process of integrating them into the program and with the new guys, how or with the veteran players, I should say, how has that process been so far in your eyes, Greg? Yeah, and I, I think that's where um, I'm not trying to dodge any question or statement, and I think that is the the fun and the enjoyment of a setting like this is you get to reflect and look on things, and um, you know ultimately you, it's easy to start comparing a little bit, and that's okay. That's that's what people do. That's what people do. We're talking about sports and whatnot. I just think our our mentality has not been there, and I don't say that coach speak. That's just not where we've been it's been you have a group of new guys um you have a group of returners that are emerging into to different roles so it has strictly been on um us you know acclimating to that every day and and learning and growing and and that's been to our system whether that's defensively offensively that's been to the culture of how we handle ourselves and I think to answer your question how has that been um it's been positive because it's been going forward. 
what the result of that is right now. Um, I think it, I could give you a better answer in January of what that is because <laughs> right, I don't, yeah. I don't, I think it's an in-process product right now. I think you saw a glimpse of that last night, but I don't think that was that's. We're in process right now. I mean, again, I don't, we won't jump into last Saturday, but you know there was a lot of positives from that, and um, you know when we had a we saw a different type of opponent, and and that was good. But it's just in process right now. I mean, we've had, you know, every practice, almost every practice. There's different lineups. There's competition. I mean, you you have. That's the one thing I will say about this group. And you're talking about the growth. There is a sense of competition out there where. Um, you know, if you look at our roster online or anybody that has access to it, if if one person is not able to perform or carry about our daily actions, you know, on or off the court in the way that we see best fit, there's another guy waiting, and there's not you don't have to look far from it, and there's another guy waiting behind him too. So the amount of competition has most definitely been present, and I think you know now that we're kind of establishing that foundation and getting on the same page. I mean, it, it's just going to come down to detail work. It's all it's all about detail. It can be applied to every sport and every guest that you have in this room talking to it. It's it's all about detail work right now, and. Um, we just want to fast forward that process. You know, that's not something that we need to be talking about in January and February. We need to get that right now, and we are. It's just how fast that we want to um, uh, really have our hands on top of everything with that. You know, where we're not, you know, we're detailed not 70 80% of the time. We're detailed all the time, and those small plays add up. So I think that's where we're at in that growth standpoint. You know, whether it's closeout, whether it's boxing out, whether it's one more pass. Um, that that's where we're at in that growth piece from a from a personnel standpoint and a talent standpoint. I don't say this with any, um, you know, ego or anything like that. I feel very good about the personnel. Um, it's it's the detail work that that has to be in place, and that 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 you can't hide from. That's either happening or it's not. So that's where that's where it's in process, and we'll find out more next Tuesday for sure. I like the way you put that. It's in process because that's. I mean, it's kind of preliminary right now, right, to be mm-hmm. able to judge that um, because. When you have a lot of new players coming in, they have to learn their roles on the team as far as how the team is going to look. But they're also integrating themselves personality-wise with the other guys too. So it's all, like you said, part of that process. I was just curious to see what your early returns were on that. And probably, you know, to be perfectly honest with you, the fact that it's just two weeks in, it's really hard probably to put a finger on that to be yeah. perfectly you know, honest about how those guys are, are integrating themselves, <clears throat> how the new guys are integrating themselves with the returners. It's It's still – like I said, a work in progress. It's in process right now. I mean, you're not just going to flip a coin and just all of a sudden everything is great, grand, and wonderful, and everything just fits together perfectly. I mean, you're still trying things out. Guys are learning each other's style of game and, you know, learning new stuff. The new guys are having to, you know, acclimate to a new system in college basketball as a whole. So it is definitely in process. And you and I have talked about that in the past, I know. So, um, you know, not surprised, but, uh, you know, concentrating just on getting them kind of integrated in the system and, you know, letting them understand the the X's and O's as long as well as the lineup on a daily basis is probably the best way you can go right now. And then the personalities will fit depending upon how that goes. That's probably, you know, at this point, that's probably about as much as you can do would be my guess. Yeah. And I mean, and to be direct about it, and I, I mean, I, it's some of that stuff you got to kind of see in person. And again, that's why I say next Tuesday, we'll see it more in person. We have our, our first game, but at the end of the day, the two things we want to achieve is that we're playing 
with an extreme high-level effort defensively and detailed in our system. That that can't be sacrificed. And that offensively, we're playing together. And I don't think we have any selfish guys on our team or anything like that. But as basketball players and guys with, you know, abilities, it's natural to, you know, want to make plays. And we have to learn that happy medium of making plays and, and playing together because ultimately – uh, you know, back to the word system that executes at its best level when when we're playing together out of that. And I think that's where a little bit that's where last night and not to keep going back to that, but that's where that was a great learning opportunity because, you know, that type of setting with that type of opponent, you know, you got to kind of switch your mindset a little bit of how, you know, how we're playing together because you got to play together. You know, you can't yeah. you can't ride on one guy's back and think, oh, we're going to be, you know, where we want to be at the end of 40 minutes. You have to play together. You have to make those adjustments, you know, and on certain nights, you know, maybe guys can put it in their hands a little bit more. But so uh, those two things have to stay consistent, an elite effort on defense, and we have to stay together. Uh, you know, the ball's got to keep moving on offense. So those are those, the, to put it down to two things, that's that's what we need to get good at. And it's funny that, you, process, that so. you say that in regards to UMD because UMD brings back five double-digit scores from last year. Mm-hmm. So they are not a team – you know, we talked about Drew Blair, Austin Andrews, you know, in, in assessing UMD. They have five, maybe six guys that can score at any given time. So they don't play selfish basketball as mm-hmm. a general, you know, rule because they know any one of them can score. And I get the sense that's where you want to be too because I think teams that have multiple options and are looking at multiple guys that can contribute – and score points is really how you're successful, especially at the college level. Yeah, and and, I, and again, I, I think I use the word selfish. I don't mean that in a personality right, standpoint yeah. or a greedy standpoint or anything like that. It's just that it's that feel and flow of you know moving the ball and and you know the type of uh, the the type of uh, you know sh- sh- shot opportunities. To be honest, that we want to see come about, and uh, you know we got a number of guys that can go try to create anything at any time, but that's that's not necessarily what we're looking for, and that. That's not a selfishness on anybody. It's just you know, again, back in process, uh, in process of being on the same page of of seeing how we want to things want to see things come about. And uh, you know, to Joseph, to speaking about you know positional leadership that he's stepping into. We have some other returners here that have been here multiple years, and even honestly, with you know some of the new guys, you know, we've got new guys that are have played multiple years of college basketball. So it's. Um, it's new to them being here, but they have a sense of how this works too, and it's just uh, it's just getting everybody on the same page, and um, and that's and we'll be fine. I'm, I feel good about where we're at. I'm not talking up here to put a show on. I I feel good about where we're at, but but we can't we can't take our foot off the gas at all because then then we won't be in a good spot. But right. we we haven't done that yet, and want to keep going forward with that. Joseph, you talked about leadership. Coach mentioned you being a leader on the team. You talked a little bit about integrating new guys into the system and everything. As the leader or one of the leaders in that locker room, how are you working to integrate those new players into the system and kind of get them to understand what it means to be a Yellow Jacket and play in this program? I think it's just demonstrating. I mean, obviously my word's not going to mean much if I'm not uh, replicating what I want or what I'm talking about or what the program needs. So if I'm not on top of it every day or working hard or something like that, that just leaves the opportunity for a player to be like, okay, Joseph slouching back or, you know, another leader slouching back than I can too. So just kind of keeping those values to me and just showing them. And, you know, I feel like that that'll carry over. And uh, I feel like people are doing a good job about that. 
Coach, let's talk a little bit about the personnel now. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's talk about some of these guys that you're going to expect to carry the mail for you first with the the returning guys that uh, you know very very well. Obviously, Joseph is one of those guys. Who are some of the other guys that you're going to be leaning on a little bit here, especially early in the year? Yeah, I think um, returners. Uh, you know, there's ten returners, and I think all of them can contribute in their own way. I think, you know, Joseph is in his fourth year. Um, as, as, you know, we, we expect, um, we plan on Joseph having a big role for us. And he's demonstrated that early on. You know, have Carter Brown, who's in a, he's a fifth year guy here in that amount of experience. I feel like he's been here forever. Yeah. He's been here a long time. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, Carter's been around for a while, but there's something to be said for that. I mean, he's here five years for a reason and cause he's committed, he's dedicated. Um, he's, he brings a great sense of, uh, how we want to play. You know, we just talked about those two things offensively and defensively. Carter gets that. And what Carter's role looks like, I don't know exactly what that is, but I know there's a role for it. That's for sure. And uh, he's done a great job of that. You know, Javon Walker's been here three years. Um, you know, Joey Barker, Kyle, uh, those guys, they're great. Those guys are about, uh, you know, just bring a, a, I use the wrong word there, just an abundance of positive energy. And that's got to be. F- free flowing through us constantly. They do a good job with that. TJ Moberg's in his third year. Um, you know, that's, and you can't replace experience like that. Um, and just the knowledge that they've picked up the last few years, um, you know, Reed Johnson, Andrew Cornelius, Jaden Fitch, Luke Fahrenbacher, they're in year two. And I think you've seen the strides they've made and they all had, you know, ability to contribute last year as freshmen, but that those roles have grown. Um, so I don't know if I rattled off 11 or 10 there or not, but, um, I'm, Trying to make sure I didn't miss, leave anybody out there, but uh, I think that was ten. I was. Yeah. I think it was. But yeah. but so those guys just their ability to with the knowledge they have, um, and whether it's terminology, whether it's you know how we go to the weight room, how we end practice, how we start practice, uh, drill work, um, you know our system work. There there's a lot of value that comes for me as a coach, having those guys that can kind of lead that way right away. And that'll carry on to the floor. And then, you know, you have a large group of new guys um, that, um, you know, are learning that. But it's, it's to talk on floor, I mean, you know, I think, you know, Javon Walker's had an ability to contribute the last two years. Um, I expect him to do the same. Um, you know, TJ Moberg's had his, his, his bouts of opportunity the last two years. I expect that role to grow. Um you know, I think Kyle and Jaden offer us depth at that five-man position. Andrew and Reed, you know, bring a great competitiveness, uh, you know, and, and Carter, uh, you know, just adding depth at, at on the perimeter, and, and Luke brings the competitiveness. And then – so that all sounds good. And then where it gets a little difficult, but it's a good thing, uh, is when you throw all the new guys in. And then uh, that provides a great sense of competition. I believe there's a, a great deal of ability there. Um so that's that's what's the work in progress there with some of those guys. I got a quick question for Go you, ahead. Coach, in regards to Javon and TJ especially because when you have a team that has as many new guys as you guys do, mm-hmm. a lot of times you're going to have to replace your point guard. You don't have that yeah. problem. You've got your starting point guard and your backup point guard both coming back from last year. So mm-hmm. that must be comforting, at least in the sense that both Javon and TJ have both played in the system now for at least three years and know – kind of how things are going to be run in terms of integrating the new guys as well. Yeah, and, and you know, and I think last year in that second half, we kind of 
dabbled a bit with playing Javon Walker off the ball, and we had some different people there running point guard, which TJ's been in exclusively that role. So he does have a great deal of experience. You could slide Javon over at any time. Uh, I think Javon does a great job off ball too. So it's not, you know, in regards to Javon, it's not if he can run point guard or not. It's just because we know he can do that. It's, you know, what fits our team best. You know, is it better to play him off ball? Is it better to have TJ on ball, Luke? And then, you know, with the new guys, you're bringing in stuff at the top of my head, three guys that, and that's not in, in the freshman too, that can also bring the ball up. And that's the strength of ours is having a number of guys that can handle the ball. And and we all know they want to do it, and that's the problem, but it's a good problem because um, there, there is a lot of depth um, at that lead ball handler position, So, uh, which I don't know if anybody's setting up the question with the new guys. I'll let you guys take that. But that's, that's where um, – Yes, that question's coming. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, you know, that'll be the next one, I you, assume. You say TJ and Javon, and then there's a long list after that, too. Yeah. So that's that's how that's setting up you know, okay. on the ball there. Right. So, yeah. Well, you know what the next question is now, so yeah, let's yeah. talk about some of the new guys. Yeah, so I think uh, it's a great group of new guys, a great – and I'll let Joseph speak to it, too, because he's with them on the daily. Um, it's a great group of uh, – I love the personalities. I love the different personalities. They're not all the same, that's for sure. But I think everybody has a hunger there. And there's, yeah, there's a lot of new guys. There's, uh, you know, staying on the ball. Uh, you know, Mo Williams, Marlon Williams, played two years at Gogebic. Really, he's from Texas originally. Really brings a competitiveness. He wants to help the team. He's a great communicator. Um He's he's transitioning into that system, and that's just going to take time, and he gets better every single day with it. Uh, but he brings more depth on the ball. Ty Melcher, uh, you know, he has history running, you know, doing a lot of the same things that we do here. So he's transitioned pretty quickly uh, to what we're doing because he has a little more background there. Um, yeah, he brings more depth on the ball. He uh, he was at Bryant Stratton Junior College last year. Um, you know, I'm sure I'm missing another guard off the ball. We you know we have. Freshman and, and Colin Hackbarth um, and, and even Damian Setchka and Jack, Jackson Smith that all have ball handling ability. And then, you know, as far as new guys too, Ethan Renz spent some time at Stout two years ago. Uh, love his personality. Love his locker room personality. He's a fighter. He's a great team guy. He's versatile, can really play three, four, five for us. Uh, brings us more size. Um, you know, Levy Miguel uh, had some – Spent two years at the Division II level, uh, you know, played some high-level junior college basketball. That really brings us a lot of pop. Uh, there's been no doubt about that. Again, with him, it's just getting him transitioned into the system, but he definitely brings some um, a spark to us uh, for sure. Um, and, and we're just – him and I are both and, – and, and the team are learning how we use that in the right way. Oh, who else am I missing there, Joseph? Um Trey Whitaker. And then freshman Trey Whitaker, uh, Evan Bennett. Uh, you know, Trey brings us some more depth at 6'6, six, 6'7 six, six, that can play multiple positions, skilled. I think Evan Bennett is extremely skilled. Um, he, he loves the game. Uh, he's uh, always trying to get better, and that rubs off on guys. Um, you know, you bring another, bring some additional size in with another, you know, transfer in Luka Dragovic that, you know, is learning his way and getting acclimated back to college basketball, but has helped us a great deal with size and practice, uh, you know, bringing his length. Um, so it, there's a lot of moving parts right there. And I'm sure somewhere in there, I probably missed the name. If I did, I'm sorry. Um, 
but there's there's a lot of depth there. But with all that going on, you know, uh, there's been a team approach. Nobody's questioned this or that as far as role or playing time, and it's early, obviously. So that's where I really just, you know, I go back to that word, the, the demeanor and attitude of the team in the locker room has been very good because that will allow us to get better. That will allow us. And I hand that over to Joseph if he wants to add anything in on that. Yeah, um, when you get to know us better, you'll you'll see how different everyone's personalities are. But uh, we all just connect in our own way. Like everybody likes each other, loves each other, which really brings out the competition and, and practice, which is which is what we need. It's great. Um, we have a lot of depth this year, so it's just a constant reminder to keep working, and you're going to keep growing when you're competing with each other like that. So every 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 person he listed is is a hard worker and wants to be here so how's yeah. it been in the room because sorry coach didn't no, mean to interrupt but because when you basically it sounds like your room is almost 50 50 on returners and new players has a has a mixed well because obviously when you have that kind of a split yep. you run the danger of getting a little clicky right off the bat because the new guys are going to be with the new guys they're together in the dorms and all of that and returners know each other they live, live together off campus you have that danger of being a little bit clicky inside the room. So have you been able to avoid that so far? Has it been a good a good mesh in the room? 100%. I think uh, if you were to come in the locker room, I don't think you'd – if you didn't know the team at all, I don't think you'd be able to pick out who was a returner and who, who wasn't. So I think everybody is, you know, really locked in on that. So that's a good thing. Well, and, and looking at the personalities of the returners, and this is kind of where I'm going with this, you know, they're all guys that are very team-oriented guys. I think just about every guy that came back this year is a guy that is a team first guy, not necessarily worrying about his minutes or his shots or, you know, how many, how many, you know, rotations he's getting on defense or how many rebounds he's getting in a game. They're all guys that, that are pretty much on the same page as, you know, in terms of we want to go forward as a group, not as a bunch of individuals. And so having that group back, and I, I think Coach Polk might agree with me on that one, having a group of guys like that that are coming back is comforting in the sense that it kind of shows the young guys that this is how we're going to do it in terms of our approach and, and figuring out who's going to be what on this team, you know, and not look for one guy to just do this or one guy to just do that. Everybody is trying to do what's best for the team and willing to accept whatever role is asked of them. And I feel like this group of returners, especially, you know, the guys that you listed off, these guys really do understand that concept. And that's kind of what I've I've observed over the last couple of years, and especially this this particular group, like I said, of returners. Yeah, no, I I agree with that, and uh, yeah, I I will tell you when you look at each year, and it's the start of a new year, and 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 that's the fun of it and excitement of it. It is for sure the most depth we've ever had. That that is for sure, uh, and that's not taken away from any past team. It's just the fact that we've got a lot of depth. You know, whether it's the roster number itself or just the amount of guys that have logged college basketball minutes before. Um, it, there's a lot of depth, uh, which is a good thing, and over the course of a long season, we're going to need it. Um, and, you know, again, to revisit last night because it's fresh, you know, I th- we got down early, um, and there was I, – I, I was not – you don't like being in that situation, but I honestly kind of – I'm not going to say I'm glad it happened, but it was definitely an opportunity where we hadn't faced that situation yet. We had not faced being down like that yet. Um, obviously, it's early, but it was a great it was a great opportunity. I thought our guys responded great from it. Uh, you know, 
you know, back to the system play that we talk about, I thought guys really put their foot down on like, hey, we got to get back to this. And I thought they executed that great. And uh, yeah, as far as roles and, and guys and, and the, the fuel of the locker room, yeah, roles are going to continue to evolve. Um, but that that's just what it is every year. And we don't expect to be able to play all those guys. It's probably not going to happen. But I think there's a uh, the personalities and the ability for guys to, uh, you know, be there for one another is, is present. Um, so I'm looking forward to that, you know, really, um, you know, gaining momentum moving forward. Let's talk a little bit about the UMAC because I, I feel like the conference is pretty wide open this year, you know, and you've got the, uh, the coaching change at North central, you got a very young head coach in there now, so maybe that won't have the same dynamic that it has in the past. You know, Bethany's going to be good. Northwestern is going to be good. But I have the feel on the men's side that the conference is fairly wide open. Do you read that the same way? Yeah, I think it's completely wide open. I mean, I think uh, I would imagine that the UMAC poll may come out today or tomorrow or I'm not sure when, but very soon, which that doesn't really mean anything. But to get a sense on how wide open it is, I think that may be reflected in the poll. But yeah, I think there's – I mean, I don't think anybody can disregard Northwestern until anybody does different or says different. So I think they're going to be good. And I really think North Central, even with the coaching change, and Dan DeWitt did an awesome job back there, and they bring back a lot of guys. They bring in a number, number of grad transfers. I think North Central is going to be really good. I think Morris brings back a lot of size. Northland College brings a lot of new guys in, like us, that I think are going to have an impact. Bethany is going to have a, a good deal of talent. Um Crown College brings a number of returners, double-digit scorers. Uh, you know, I'd like to say that we can be in that conversation. And, you know, I know Martin Luther is going to show up every night. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's wide open. I think it's wide open. So, um, and I, I'm probably forgetting one other school in there, but uh, I agree it's wide open. So it's going to be a, a competitive UMAC season, to say the least, for sure. It's interesting looking at the league as a whole <clears throat> that Northwestern has kind of had their run of the conference for the most part for the better part of UMAX history that I can remember. Um, so, yeah, like you said, you're, you're probably expecting them to be right up there yet again because that's just where they've always been. Mm -hmm. um, Bethany, like you said, has always got a few good players on the team. But after that, those seedings for that you know potential UMAC tournament invite, it's pretty much – you know, a game here, a game there could make the difference. And it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out as the season goes along. Yeah, I think I think it's uh, – <clears throat> you know, Joseph can give his two cents too. He's got his player's take on it, which is probably as accurate as any. Um, but I just think it's going to be really competitive. I think, you know, you talk about depth in our roster. I think there's depth across the league. Um, and uh, that'll make it fun. It'll, it'll make it fun. And uh, um, I think you – some of the, the names like, you know, uh, Noah Alm being gone now and Brian Smith, some of those top-end guys, that that's going to look a little different. But uh, I think the depth across the board in the league is, is really high this year. So I, I don't know what you think, Joseph. Yeah, I'm uh, not going to look over – not overlook any team this year. Like, uh, like we said, uh, Northwestern's always been pretty good. Not going to overlook them. They have a good coaching staff, good system. Um, you got teams like, you know, Northland, Martin Luther that are just going to play hard every single night. So every single night is going to be a different battle, but I still think we're going to attack every game the same way, regardless of what the poll puts us at. You know, we're not too concerned about that. We're just trying to stay within us and control what we can control. 
it's going to be a, a fun one to watch, and we, yeah. uh, we look forward to actually getting to see you at home here uh, next week when you host St. Scholastica a uh, week from yesterday, so next Tuesday night at the Mertz. Unfortunately, I'll be at hockey because that's going at the exact same time. Really bad scheduling. But nonetheless, uh, excited for the season to come. Looking forward to it. And uh, Joseph, Coach, thanks for stopping by. Well, thanks, uh, John and Matt, for having us, for sure. Thank you. We're going to take a break. We'll come back with more of Eye of the Swarm right after this. Orkers Island Inn is now hiring, and there's a position just for you. Apply for front desk, housekeeper, bartender, server, cook, and dishwasher. We're hiring great people like you. Call or click for more information and apply today. We're back for our final segment of Eye of the Swarm, and I, I know we, we talked at length about the, uh, the skill and ability of UMD and their men's basketball program in that last segment, Matt, and just a funny little anecdote um, before we went on the air, when Coach came into the station, Adam and I were kind of talking about the game last night and everything, and Greg says, you know, what are we up to? As he comes in and just said, we're, we're trying to figure out how to how to stop Drew Blair. <laughs> and he, he just kind of looked at me and deadpanned, don't let him touch the ball. Yeah. <laughs> That's all teams Because if you look, at the, if you look at the stats, I mean, he went 9 of 10 overall seven of eight from three had 27 points and I didn't see how many minutes he played but uh you know it was a pretty good night for Mr. Blair and in, in that one but the other piece of it the Jackets got behind early but they were only outscored 46-44 in the second half so right, yeah. obviously some good things happened for the Yellow Jackets in the final 20 minutes which should lead hopefully into some good things into uh, the season opener next Tuesday yeah yeah I mean there's you can't really judge where the Yellow Jackets are at based on playing UMD in an exhibition game. That exhibition game, by the way, has been happening for years. Yeah, it's nothing and, new. It, yeah, it's, it's nothing, nothing new. new. Uh, the guys that are on the team that are returners have played in it several times now. You know, for the newcomers, it's probably a bit of an eye-opener mm-hmm. to see, you know, what a really good Division II team looks like. But for guys like Joseph, uh, you know, Javon Walker, Joey Barker, uh, the other guys that are, that are returning to the squad, you know, Carter Brown, I mean, they've seen – this UMD team before, yep, they're familiar with those guys. For the younger guys, it's a, it's a chance to kind of take the court and see some really really high level Division two you know athletes and be able to play at that level. And again, they're not going to see anybody like that this year. There no. there is not anybody on the schedule right that is going to load up like UMD does. Yeah, that, that loads up on players that has that kind of depth, that kind of skill, you know, that kind of size, that kind of athleticism that just isn't in the cards on the schedule the rest right. of the year. And that's one of the reasons why they do it. Yep. You know, UMB looks at it as a chance to, you know, get some game competition, knock off the rust a little bit before what they anticipate is going to be a big year for them. Mm-hmm. And for us, uh, speaking of the Yellow Jackets, um, it's more of a chance just to play some really good superior competition. And it's one of those games where you go into it and you don't really pay attention to the score all that much. Right. You do a little bit, but – not a lot. No, it's about other things. Yeah, it's about other things. It's, it's about, about guy, getting things. guys reps, getting guys a chance to play on the floor, play with their teammates a bit, getting some live game action under game um, circumstances, even though it is just an exhibition. So um, it, it's beneficial for both programs, I think, in that from that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully the best will come for both teams as a result. So let's talk about the schedule. You mentioned that word. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the game schedule this week. Heavy, heavy schedule. Yeah, this it's week. a heavy, heavy schedule, and we'll start with the fall teams because now they're into the business end, as we talked about of the season, or the quote unquote business end of their respective campaigns. Men's soccer. I'll lead off with them. 
Um, they're playing this afternoon uh, in the UMAC Conference Tournament semifinals against Crown. Um, Yellow Jackets looking for their, by the way, sixth straight UMAC Conference Tournament title. Um, and that game, as we record this on Wednesday, as we always do, take place at the NBC Spartan Sports Complex. In fact, all of the playoff games are at home. This week, which is what is stressing Mr. Garver out. <laughs> That's part of what's stressing him out. Um, it's the busiest week of the year. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so they'll take on Crown today at 3.30 p.m. at the NBC Spartan Sports Complex. If the Jackets advance, they will host again on Saturday, taking on Bethany Lutheran, or the winner of Bethany Lutheran in Northland in the UMAC championship game. I think most everyone is expecting them to advance, but then again, you never know at this you time of year. You never know. But the Yellow Jackets being the number one seed will be at home as long as they continue to win. Correct. So if they win, they'll be back at home on Saturday. Another reason that Mr. Garver is stressed out because if they do win, they will be back home on Saturday playing the winner (laughs) between the Vikings and the Lumberjacks. Correct. So that uh, is what's on the plate for men's soccer and what's at stake for men's soccer Mm -hmm. this week. Same story for the women. I mean, they've been the number one seed now for over a week. We knew that coming in, but they will also face Crown today in the UMAC Tournament semifinals. That'll be a night game, 6 p.m., Against the Polars, if they win, they will then host the winner between Northwestern and Bethany Lutheran on Saturday as well at the NBC Sport and Sports Complex. So I guess there's just too much success. That's why they're uh, they're stressing you out, John. There's, it's all right. You know, <laughs> rather have the success, the, the perils not. of winning. Yeah, exactly. So women's soccer against the Polars, and if they win, as they're expected to, they'll be at home against the winner of Northwestern and Bethany Lutheran, looking for a second straight trip to the NCAA those tournament. those games on Saturday too. If uh, if both teams advance to Saturday. The men would play at noon. The women would play at 2.30. Okay. And well, obviously both of those games would be on aired KUWS, live on yeah. KUWS. <clears throat> With if, the birthday boy over here because that's if, my birthday. If one of them advances and the other one does not, which we don't want to talk about, but then the game would be, the one game would be at 2 o'clock. Okay. Also airing live here on KUWS. There you have it. There you have it. So thank you for pointing that out. You're welcome. Saturday's my birthday, by the way. My whole Congratulations. Thank you. Another successful trip. Around on this sun. marble around the sun. <laughs> yes, I, I should like actually do the math and try to figure out how many days that is, but I'm not going to. No, don't. That's no, too much work. That's too much work. Yeah. Volleyball also at home because they're the number two seed. Their situation's a little more up in the air. Yeah, I think that this is interesting. Yeah, there's there's a couple of different scenarios here. Yep. The only thing we know for sure is that they will be at home tonight. Yep. On this Wednesday, taking on Minnesota Morris for the third time, second straight time, by the way, for the Yellow Jackets. Here at the end of the season in the UMAC tournament semifinals at the Merge, 7 p.m. Yours truly, that being me, 6.45 the pregame. Now, this gets a little more complicated because if the Yellow Jackets win, it would depend on whether Northwestern or Bethany Lutheran win the other semifinal as to where the Yellow Jackets would play. If Northwestern wins, then they'll be on the road on Saturday to take on the Eagles down at the Erickson Center in St. Paul. If the Vikings win, the Jackets would then be home if they win against Morris tonight to take on the Vikings at the Mertz. Right. And that is a scenario that kind of throws a monkey wrench Yeah, because I think that's a 2 o'clock game. Okay. Either 2 or 3. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I, for some reason I think it's 2 o'clock. Okay. So, yeah, that would definitely change things. Right. Yeah, so that would throw a monkey wrench into the works. Right. But what we know for sure when it comes to volleyball is that they're taking on Morris tonight, 7 p.m. And this and is an interesting one. Because when Two when, sweeps. When we hosted Morris earlier in the year, it was a dominating performance yeah. by the Yellow Jackets, and they won that in three straight and then last Friday, it would have been Morris put on a pretty dominating yeah, performance exactly. and swept the Yellow Jackets in three straight. So both teams swept on their home court. Yeah, both yeah. teams swept on the home court, 
and momentum on the side of Morris, I think, based on the fact that the most recent game was right. between the two and they had that sweep. So it makes pretty interesting scenario coming into this one tonight. It does. Can the Yellow Jackets shake that off? Is Morris going to ride that momentum? How is all of that going to work? We'll find out tonight. Exactly. And I'll be on the call. So if uh, you're interested, then check it out. I'm sure it'll be on iFan too. They'll probably pipe into my broadcast. Yes, they will be. So So that's what will be happening there. Uh, Women's hockey will also be in action, although they've only got one game this week. Correct. And it's on Friday, and it's a big one. It is. Taking on Hamlin. Yep. 3.50 p.m., the opening faceoff. Now, I I, that's that's, <laughs> I was going to ask you about that start time. That's, that's not correct. Okay. <laughs> that's not correct. It's, I, it's 3.30. Okay, 3.30. It was listed at 3.50. Now, I don't know how that happened, John. But Typos happen. Okay. Typos happen. Okay, so it was 3.50 and uh, or 3.30. It was listed at 3.50. Yes, it's 3.30. It's 3.30. And the pregame at 3.15 with John, uh, is that going to be live? Uh, no, it'll be streamed live, Okay, but then it'll air after the men's game on Friday night. Because you have a doubleheader. Correct. Yes. So the Pipers, and they're always good. It's mm-hmm. going to be a big challenge for Coach Dan Laughlin and company taking on Hamlin and non-conference action. So 3.30 p.m., the actual start time, John will start recording at 3.15 with the pregame or start at least airing on the stream yep. at 3.15. But the actual broadcast will be on delay following the men's broadcast that same night. And speaking of men's hockey, they opened their season this weekend, hosting Adrian and Concordia Moorhead at Westman Arena before heading to take on Augsburg also on Tuesday. We'll talk about all of that here in just a moment. Uh, opening face-off against the Bulldogs and the Cobbers for Friday and Saturday is set for 7 p.m. with pregame at 6.30. Both those games will be carried live on 91.3 FM with the pregame starting at 6.30. And then on Tuesday against Augsburg, same story. 7 p.m. opening face-off, 6.30 the pregame. Against the Yagis. Two of the four or two final four participants from last year. And one national champion. Yeah. So, I mean, it's um, that's some pretty aggressive scheduling by Coach McKenna. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I kind of looked at him again, confused dog look when he <laughs> said, Yeah, we're going to open with Adrian. And, oh, okay. Um, Defending national champions. Interesting. Yeah. You know, I, I w- would have expected something like that last year when you had a little more veteran team right? Um, with so much new blood this year. It's like, wow, you really don't know what you have. That's a, that's a pretty tall order, you know? Right. So we'll, I'll be really curious to see, you know, cause they, with so many new guys, they might have a whole lot of, Hey, I don't care. Yeah. Let's just play. That's what I mean. Like you just... know? So it's, it's going to be real interesting to see how, how that team comes out against a team that is going to be playing their fourth game of the year already. They right. played twice last weekend and swept a very, very good Utica team, which was an NCAA team a year ago. And uh, we'll play Augsburg on Thursday before coming to Westman Arena on Friday. So they are going to be, you know, they're going to have almost 25% of their schedule in by the time they leave our building, and we're playing game number one. Right. So it's... um, Big challenge. It is. It's It's a huge challenge. It's the first time we've ever competed against Adrian, so... You know, let's let's open the doors and see what happens. Well, and you and I were talking about this. It's not unusual for men's hockey to play ranked teams no. or top ranked teams. But I can't remember the last time they started the season with a number one team. I don't. It's probably never happened to be honest with you, Matt. Okay, it's okay. probably never happened. So it's interesting. That's that's a little even the year that we, when they won it in two thousand two, they weren't the number one team going into the next year. Wow. Which is usually the gratuitous. Yeah, gratuitous. You'll open the, we'll you you open the season as the number one. They did not. Wow. They opened as the number two. Wow. So interesting. Yep. First season opener, perhaps, in program history, featuring the Yellow Jackets in a number one ranked team. Yeah, that's my so guess. That's, that's well, if anyone would know, it would be you. So I'm going to go ahead and, and agree and say yes. 
So three games for them. Men's basketball also opens up their campaign, their ledger for the 2022-23 campaign. They'll be at home taking on Saints Glasgow on that Tuesday night. That'll also be broadcast on 91.3 on delay. With yours truly, uh, actual time will be 7 p.m., and the pregame will come 15 minutes ahead of time, I guess, on record. Is that going to be on? That'll be full delay, right? Like that'll yep. be, yeah. Yep. So on that game, will be broadcast on delay on 91.3 with yours truly after the conclusion of the men's game against Augsburg. Correct. So that's what's happening with them. So it'll be interesting because St. Glass is kind of in the same boat. Yeah. Lost a lot of players. Lost a lot. Had a tough year last year in their first year in the Mayak. So, yep. yeah, it's going to be two teams kind of feeling each other out a little bit there, I think. So this bridge rivalry will be a little bit more... The bridge battle will be a little bit more interesting this yes, year. Yes, absolutely. You know, because uh, a lot of new faces out there for both teams. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that all plays out. And last but not least, women's basketball also opens up their season on Tuesday. They're on the road, though. They're taking on Finlandia in non-conference action. Opening tip in um, Hancock, Michigan, set for 5.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. Of course, that's an hour difference between us and them when yep. they have location. So 5.30 p.m instead of 6.30 p.m., which is what it would be local time over there. But here in uh, Superior, 5.30 p.m., the opening tip between the Yellow Jackets and the Lions. I'll be interested to see how that plays out for head coach Emily Carpenter in her first game as a head coach. Correct. wonder how nervous she'll be for that one. Uh, we'll, well see. Two, two head coaches. There's yeah. a new head coach from Finlandia as well. Oh, so. yeah. Well, there you have it. You so, know, so could be a little nervousness going around both ways. Yeah, there. but uh, like I said, plenty going on. Plenty Thankfully, going on. men's and women's cross country has the week off. <laughs> um, they will be next in action on the 12th at the uh, Midwest Regional, or the North Regional, I guess. Yep. Down at St. Olaf, because uh, that's, of course, the entire region comes to that. Yep. But they've got a week off. But thankfully for that, because uh, there's plenty going on. There's a lot going on. Yeah, it's going to be so. a busy, busy week in the world of Yellow Jacket athletics. But it's uh, it's a fun time. It's a fun time when you're winning games. Fun times when you're winning trophies and right, putting up yeah. banners. So yep. you know, already got be, some hardware. It's going to be crazy, but it's uh, and possibility of a couple more here coming yep, up. So. Wouldn't have it any other way. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So that's the week that will be, and uh, we'll be back next week to break down everything that happened. So. Be ready for a lengthy opening segment in, on the show here yep. next week. For our production engineer, Adam DeMuth, and the big sound, Matt Johnson, I am John Garver, and thank you for listening to Eye of the Swarm. Mm-hmm.